Okay, I think we're ready uh, to go. Uh, hello, everyone. I am Paula de Almeida, uh, the VIP Relations Manager for 154. And it is my pleasure today uh, to welcome you all uh, to this great pre-fair event. Um, first, I would like to start with a little recap about what we have planned for 154 London 2021. And so, as you know, this is our ninth edition, which would take place at Somerset House. Uh, the VIP preview is on the 14th and uh, uh, excuse me, on the 14th and 15th of October, and the public days are on the 16th and 17th of October. So make sure you book your tickets to attend. Um, alongside the fair, we will also have organized an exciting VIP program, which will take you across London uh, to artist talks and uh, curator-led discussions. You can also book for that. Uh, all the information and the links uh, will be shared at the end of the discussion. And for those who cannot be with us in person, we hope you will uh, uh, join us for all our online events, which include uh, browsing our virtual fair on uh, the 154 online powered by Christie's platform, and also to attend the 154 forum talks, performances and screenings. And now I have the honor of introducing uh, Mary Corrigal before she starts her presentation. So Mary is a Cape Town-based contemporary African art consultant and researcher. She has been reporting on and analyzing contemporary African art for the past 15 years as an art journalist and academic. And uh, in uh, 2016, she founded Corrigal & Co, which is an art consultancy and whose focus uh, is uh, on mapping and analyzing the shifting dynamics underpinning the art ecosystem, particular to contemporary art from the African continent. Uh, and to, to that end, they produce uh, bespoke, bespoke sorry, reports uh, for art organizations, nonprofit uh, and uh, governmental cultural organizations. And to date, they have produced five publications, they advise collector, artists and galleries. Mary, it's over to you. Thanks so much, Paula. And thanks to 154 uh, for inviting me um, to give this talk. Uh, it's an exclusive talk um, for the VIPs this evening. And uh, thank you for joining me. So um, the topic is the uh, secondary market for contemporary art. Uh, let's just go on to the second slide. Paul has done such a fantastic introduction. I feel like um, discussing and telling you a little bit about me um, might not be necessary, um, but just to sort of recap, um, for those who don't know me, I started out as an art journalist and critic, um, working uh, for the Sunday Independent in Johannesburg, South Africa, and I'm very fortunate um, to have held that position for um, over a decade. And during that time, I really mapped and reported and critiqued um, a developing um, African art ecosystem in um, Johannesburg and in Cape Town. Um, I was very fortunate to witness this growth over um, a, this decade long period. Um, in parallel, um, I was fortunate enough uh, to have a position as a research associate at the University of Johannesburg, where I went um, in depth studies into the content of contemporary art, 
um, really just digging in deeper beneath the surface, um, which was a real privilege um, and really just rounded off um, my um, perspective, because um, often in journalism, you sort of skim the surface a bit. And then in 2016, as, as Paula pointed out, I set up a consultancy and really my, my focus um, for the consultancy was, was to chart a new area, which was to gather data, um, which I hadn't previously worked with um, in academia as a, or as a journalist. So to gather data and really understand some truths about, the, about how an African art ecosystem grows, how it develops, um, what the influences might be, um, and this is this is ongoing work, work that I'm still doing. Um, it's kept me very busy, and some of the initially um, the motivation was to produce sort of industry reports, um, which we bring out at least one or two annually. And then um, we've also ended up doing quite a bit of consulting work um, because we have a lot of data and I've developed a methodology to really understand um, African art ecosystems, but also um, looking at collections, helping collectors and doing studies of art collections for um, nonprofits and large um, government um, art collections. So this is just um, some of the reports um, that um, we have published so far. Um, I'm particularly proud of the first one, um, which I launched at 154 in 2018, actually, the Contemporary African Art Ecology, a decade of curating, 182 pages. It was uh, a crazy undertaking, but really interesting way of mapping the um, sort of explosion of contemporary African art through the lens of curators who played such a substantial role in the beginning of heightening awareness um, around African contemporary art um, and making it more visible, not only in the African continent, but in Europe in particular. Uh, the South African art market pricing and patterns, also a really substantial um, publication that um, delves into what um, this particular, and it is the largest um, African um, art market, um, and what influences the pricing and informs value in this particular market and who all the players are. So that was really interesting, and we're going to hopefully be updating that soon. So we've just recently, last month, uh, launched these two new publications, um, Contemporary African Art Auctions and then Modern African Art Auctions. Um, as you can probably tell, um, they pertain to the same periods, um, 2020 to 2021. We analyzed the first six months um, of each year to have an understanding of um, whether the African art market um, has recovered somewhat since the beginning of COVID-19, um, as it did initially have quite a negative impact on all industries um, and activities, uh, but also, of course, presented many opportunities and possibilities. Um, so, but because um, the records for auctions are transparent and immediately available. It made sense that if we wanted to gauge the confidence in this market, that it should be done um, via an analysis of auction records. 
and um, the motivation for separating the modern and contemporary was really driven by um, what the data was reflecting um, and the fact that modern and contemporary works perform differently over time. We're going to have a, a quick look at that just now. Um, and also we noticed that lower priced modern works um, didn't really perform in the same way that higher priced modern works, nor did they perform the same way in contemporary works um, in different markets. Um, so, for example, low-priced modern works um, wouldn't really grow in value. They might even decrease in value over time, while contemporary works um, <clears throat> might perform differently in different markets, and there could be growth um, in those works in terms of their value. Um, it would depend on whether they were prized in an international or domestic market. So it really made sense to separate them out. And we found that really um, based on this, that high valued modern works were then perhaps less of a risky investment, but um, would demand more capital because it really was the um, very highly prized modern works that seemed to um, continuously reappear um, in the data. Uh, whereas contemporary risks um, contemporary works, at least, uh, could present a high risk, um, but as they could be much cheaper to acquire, um, that would um, offset that risk. So the data shows that different auction houses um, are geared for different markets. Um, the African um, auction houses are very much geared for their domestic markets, and even though online trading has really um, defined this particular sector um, of the art market, we, it seems clear that the majority um, of clients who um, buy works from particular auction houses um, are, are clients that have been developed by those auction houses and the countries where they are based. So this really shows in the data. And um, also the contemporary works, um, one of the reasons that they do tend to um, increase in value is that African contemporary art is certainly um, becoming more and more valued in the global art market um, compared to modern works. Unfortunately, um, only a very few number of African modern artists um, are prized. Um, in the global art market. And, that, and by that, I mean uh, those auctions um, that are not um, particularly African-based um, auctions or auctions that are geared for an African um, department <clears throat> of a major house. And um, the modern works that are prized tend to be more prized in domestic auction houses um, or domestic audi audiences in um, the countries um, where they are based. Uh, Morocco is a really um, excellent example of this, uh, where most of the modern works that are offered are by Moroccan artists, and the same could be said of Nigeria and certainly of South Africa too. Uh, whereas in an um, African um, department at, say, Bonhams or Sotheby's or Piazza or Art Curial, um, 
there is um, more of a collection of artists from different countries around the continent. So, but more Pan-African, which obviously makes sense. And what we do see is that the buoyancy um, of the contemporary um, art market is reflected um, through the um, uh, buoyancy of the auction um, for contemporary art. So, for example, the fact that um, the auction houses that we're looking at even, which are based in South Africa and um, Nigeria and Morocco are actually the primary art capitals on the continent. So it, the fact that they, they are buoyant in those countries reflects that those markets are growing. Although we did find that um, there were very few contemporary works often offered at um, the Casablanca-based auction house. So let's move to that <clears throat> next slide. So of course, um, how do we define modern and contemporary? Um, for our purposes, we embraced a very crude definition. So modern um, was a classification we attached to works that were made between 1900 and 1980. And um, those modern artists who produced works um, after 1980, but who are associated or thought of as being African modern artists, um, we still kept the modern classification um, to their works. And uh, contemporary works um, were any works that were made after 1980 to the present day. And I, I could just make a, a quick observation here that most of the contemporary works were actually made after 2000. Um, so there, there is certainly um, a bit of a gap there in terms of when the works were made. And they tend to be made more recently as well. So I don't have percentages on that, um, but I, I certainly would like to, to do that. So what I've done here is um, I've taken uh, 10 of the highest priced contemporary lots um, from January 2020 to June 2021. And um, I just what I'm demonstrating here, the line, let me put my annotation uh, pen on so I can direct you um, to the area. So, um, oh, whoopsie, just gone back. Um, so here um, you can see that the majority of works um, that were the high priced lots um, over this time period, um, went over the high estimates set for them. So um, you can see here this um, work by Marlene Dumas was offered for 294 and ended up fetching 416 euros. Um, so we've worked here in euros. Um, and um, when you compare this to the modern, which we've just flipped through, um, you'll see a complete reverse pattern. So looking at the 10 uh, high price lots in this time period, most of the works, it's almost barring one, um, actually fetched under the high estimates set for them. 
So what does this tell us um, about the modern and contemporary? Well, first of all, it, this is the motivation for um, isolating them, the works um, in our study. Um, but also what it tells us is that there is more growth to be had in the contemporary. You could say that contemporary works are still undervalued and we're going to be um, looking at this a little bit closer just now. Um, and I suppose you could say, well, perhaps the high-priced modern lots um, might be overvalued or perhaps don't perform as well as the contemporary. Um, it could also have to do with this particular time period um, and more valuing over the contemporary. They're also significantly higher, so one could also take that into consideration. Um, so if you look at the figures there, so perhaps um, people are less likely to spend more on higher works. But certainly, as you can see, they're very distinct patterns um, dividing the modern and the contemporary there. So just quickly, um, wanted to, just share the methodology we use to produce these two reports. Um, first of all, because we wanted to um, study the results um, of and get a sense of the African art market, we um, isolated our study to uh, departments um, that uh, concentrated on African modern and contemporary. Um, and obviously also the biggest auction houses on the continent um, that are dedicated, um, quite naturally dedicated to African art. Uh, we didn't include um, galleries that conduct auctions. Um, there are a number of galleries that do this from time to time in different places on the continent. Um, and of course, we didn't include all of the um, auction houses in South Africa. There are quite a number other than Strauss & Co. and Aspire Art Auctions. Um, we primarily did this due to the fact um, that some of those auction houses, art is not their main um, sort of uh, the lots, um, they're not the majority of the lots. There tends to be more decorative, some wine and um, other items. So we really obviously excluded all of those kinds of lots because Strauss and Co, um, they also conduct sales um, with wine. Uh, so naturally we exclude those and we just concentrated on um, art lots. So the number of auctions that took place um, during this uh, period that we've identified, which is January 2020 to June 2021, uh, were 45 auctions. Uh, so it was quite a lot of work actually um, gathering all this data um, and analyzing um, those lots. There were over 9,000. I can tell you that the majority of the lots were contemporary which is very interesting um, compared to the modern. And the auctions uh, took place in London, New York, Paris, Marrakesh, Cape Town, Johannesburg, Casablanca, and Lagos. As you can see on the left-hand side here, um, the majority of auctions took place in South Africa, um, then uh, the United Kingdom, Morocco, France, 
Nigeria. So the United States, that would refer to two dedicated African auctions that um, Bonhams um, staged um, in New York. So when you do see figures that I show um, relating to the US, it relates to those two sales, not necessarily how the US market for African art um, uh, is reflected in those figures because it is not, um, as you probably all know, a lot of African works um, are filtering into uh, other auctions contemporary auctions largely um, conducted by many different houses um, in the US. So that's certainly a study in itself. So I wanted to share with you, there were a lot of findings um, for contemporary art. There are actually two pages of them. And I just handpicked three to share with you this evening. Uh, the first one I thought was the most relevant, uh, and that is the value of contemporary African art um, is highest in London-based sales. So we'll look at that a bit closer and why London in particular. Uh, this uh, second finding won't really surprise anyone. Um, the fact that art produced by Abudia has been continually exceeding high estimates. So um, we obviously identify quite a number of artists. Uh, I think there are about 30 artists whose uh, works continuously exceed the high estimates. And Abudia was not surprisingly very high up there, but we're gonna look a bit closer at that uh, towards the end of the presentation. And the last finding, which is really very comforting one um, for everyone who works in this field, is that the value for, for contemporary art appears to have increased um, by 57%. I do need to contextualize this because it does seem like quite an astronomical jump. Um, first of all, um, it is likely that lesser valued contemporary artworks were offered between uh, January and June 2020 then were offered in 2021. Um, there were a number of um, sellers, I expect, who uh, withdrew lots or chose not to sell um, high-valued ones um, at the beginning of the pandemic. So it's likely that this has influenced this, this jump that we see. Um, it certainly also doesn't mean that all contemporary works are going to be worth 57% more now. It really refers to those that are already valued. And um, it also might um, have something to do with the fact that um, almost everyone um, who, or the auctioneers that I spoke to, um, really felt that African contemporary art remains um, undervalued. So um, it makes sense that it would be increasing. So this is particularly good news for, for everyone um, who's interested in this particular field and the dealers. So this is what it looks like on a graph, um, the average value and how high, how much higher it's gone um, just to, um, So looking at the specifics um, of those, those values, um, so it's a six-month period that we're comparing, January to June 2020 with 2020. 
Uh, and this 50% um, increase. Uh, so 20, in 2020, um, the average value was 7,651 euros. And in 2021, um, just over 12,000 euros. So it's, it's fairly significant. As I said, it might have something to do with what lots were offered um, at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and um, as we'll see, this um, increase isn't felt equally across the um, African art um, ecosystem. Um, it really is limited. Um, the majority of the growth we see is actually in the UK, in the London markets and London sales. And this is what we see here. So um, this is just plotting um, the value January to June and obviously just contemporary works. Um, so some people um, might think this is, includes modern. No, it's just contemporary. Modern um, is much higher. We're not going into modern um, this evening uh, because I decided to concentrate on contemporary because uh, we will be hopefully all attending a contemporary African art fair shortly. And um, as you can see, the two London-based houses, Bonhams and Sotheby's, um, they have much higher values. Um, so their average values are sitting at just over 30,000 euros and there's a significant drop. Um, so you can see Piazza leading there and then Aspire, the South African um, auction house, art house um, in Nigeria and Strauss. I mean, this is actually quite extraordinary because Strauss, perhaps it's because they sell so many contemporary lots, it brings their average down and many of them are lower priced. Um, so that obviously does affect the figures. Um, so um, it is possible to achieve quite high figures for contemporary works at the Strauss and Co. And we're gonna see just now how they actually do um, dominate the market in fact, um, but yeah you can see here very clearly that um, this price increase is certainly to do with the London market. So why, why the London market? Uh, well, first of all, I thought it's quite interesting, you know, when I first um, interviewed Terea when she was in Johannesburg at the Joburg Art Fair, and I was talking to her about 154 and um, why she chose to base it in London. And she said very simply, um, she was looking to stage a fair where there was the highest concentration of African art collectors. Uh, obviously, during freeze, um, the, the number of collectors in London increases significantly. Um, but as you'll see, there are other reasons um, this uh, concentration or interest in African art in London um, does actually or is sustained outside of the fair as well. Um, for example, the London auctions, of course. Um, so the fact that um, there are very few um, auction houses on the African continent has meant that so many of the works um, that are produced in the other countries, the modern works, the contemporary works, um, they find their way onto the secondary market in London. It's, it has 
a very particularly pan-African feel, the auctions. Um, as you look through the lots, um, I've obviously some auctions coming up next week at Bonin's and at Sotheby's. Um, and you will notice that um, the artists um, come from different countries in Africa. So that pan-African aspect, um, which has made it actually very um, interesting sales. And in comparison to the auctions on the African continent, as I mentioned in Morocco and in Lagos and in Cape Town and Johannesburg, um, there is the tendency for those auction houses really to mostly sell works by artists um, from their own countries. So this has made London really the sort of hub for um, art from the whole continent rather than just um, a few, although obviously Nigerian um, and South African and Moroccan artists have, have a fairly strong hold. Um, also, just to further substantiate London's um, status, I guess, as a kind of hub for African art, um, I think you can see these are the galleries here on the right-hand side, the two South African galleries, Everard Reed and Goodman, um, both have open branches in London, um, Addis Art um, and Gallery 1957. And interestingly, I've seen that um, next week, um, a couple of South African galleries are staging exhibitions outside of fairs, as well as a number of other galleries. So there really is a sense um, that the African galleries want to um, really exploit the fact um, that London um, during this time is a magnet, but as I said, during other times as well um, for collectors. I thought here, given the um, dominance um, of um, the sort of uh, London as the center, but also to just look at Paris as well, which is strengthening um, uh, its secondary market. We'll get into that just now, but here Bonhams, um, in 2008, set up their um, department for African modern and contemporary. They had two sales, um, initially the South African sale and the African Nile sale. Um, and really when I spoke to Giles about this, these sort of early beginnings, he said to me that you know, he wasn't even sure who to send invitations to for those first auctions. So they really developed um, the buyers um, in London um, for African art. Um, and if you look at the date, 2008, it's very significant. Um, our studies, um, which look at 2000, start from 2007, uh, really just we found that the visibility of African contemporary art was, was really um, hitting, um, I wouldn't say an apex, but it was certainly um, dominating people's attention more so than it did before, largely due to the curators and the African countries, um, many of them returning or having their first um, pavilions at the Venice Biennale. In 2019, uh, Bonhams uh, decided to start a um, 
auction in New York, uh, obviously African auction. Um, it's a very small auction. It's slowly building, um, but seems to be taking some time. And uh, Sotheby's opened their department in 2016, and they feed a lot of works to their other sales, their other contemporary um, and modern sales, which they conduct in London, New York, Paris. So they're a very big auction house and um, they really do um, achieve great um, figures for African art and promote African art and contemporary art on sales that aren't just African dedicated ones, which are certainly contributed to the growth of the value of African contemporary. In Paris, um, Piazza um, sort of started their African um, uh, contemporary and modern department. They have collaborated with the South African Auction House in 2020 and um, Art Curial, um, their Moroccan um, sale was their only sort of African sale um, that started in 2019, but now they've really, since um, Christophe Persson has moved across to them, they've really um, increased the number of auctions that they do. I think they've already had three this year, two or three. Um, so in Paris, we're starting to see a real strengthening there. It's still growing, as you could see from the figures um, and the figures that we're going to look at now. So it's not um, as strong as the London one yet, um, but it's certainly growing, which um, of course is very positive and might have something to do um, with, with Brexit um, and a shift to, to Paris. Uh, you know, we're always hearing about this, that the global art market shifting to Paris due to Brexit. Um, so we'll see. We haven't seen yet, I mean, in terms of this data, any impact so far on the African art market, um, but certainly I'll be watching that closely. Um, so even though um, the London-based auctions have fetched the highest um, prices, really, and the, or at least the highest average prices for contemporary art, um, the turnover really is highest in South Africa. South Africa um, claims the market share um, of African contemporary and modern. Uh, this is largely due um, to one auction house, um, Strauss & Co., just um, due to the fact that they hold so many auctions, at least uh, once a month um, minimum. Uh, their director told me they'd already had 25 this year. I didn't realize it was so high. Um, so it's easy to see how that um, dominance um, is secured um, through sheer volume. Um, of sales um, and this online switch um, has really broadened their customer base as well. Um, so that's really um, uh, fantastic for us here in South Africa. United Kingdom follow, then France, um, Morocco, as I mentioned earlier, this, this um, figure here for the US um, really only pertains to the Bonham sales, they're not um, anything, uh, any other auctions um, that take place in the US. And Nigeria, very low turnover for um, contemporary art. Um, as we'll see just now, um, that market hasn't strengthened. Um, it seems to have decreased um, or weakened, uh, shall we say. Um, 
Looking at the sell-through rates, uh, so while the UK-based um, auction houses um, are so strong in the market, um, you can see that Strauss and Co. I mentioned earlier, their sell-through rate is, is um, the highest for contemporary, that is. Um, these uh, percentages shift for modern, so this is contemporary only. Um, and as you can see, um, the... The other smaller houses, um, their sell-through rates are particularly low. And you can see here with Art House, um, the Lagos-based house, um, it really, um, it seems that they've had a tough time. Um, I'm not sure what's happened there. I was hoping to um, interview their director, but that um, did not transpire in time. So moving to these slides here, um, I included them because I wanted to just, um, these are kind of snippets of much um, larger, longer um, graphs, but just to show you who the um, artists are in these two different African-based markets um, who have the highest average. So the, this means that the highest average price um, from January 2020 to June 2021 is um, attributed to these artists. So starting with the Nigeria um, Lagos um, sale, uh, you can see that Blade Glover um, has the highest. And what's interesting is that, or perhaps not so interesting, is that um, this artist's works do extremely well um, on the London-based um, sales and the, the French ones. Uh, so even though um, these domestic, um, I call them the domestic auction houses because they cater more for a domestic audience, although I'm sure um, since moving online, they've managed to attract buyers from uh, many other countries in the world. But even though they are domestically inclined, um, often the artists who do um, incredibly well at these auctions um, also do so um, in the London and Paris-based auctions. As such, it is really important actually to keep your finger on what's happening in these domestic markets to have an understanding of who those artists are. Um, of course, as you can see from the list of artists, um, doing well in the Nigerian market. Um, some of them perhaps are, um, uh, Victor certainly is, um, is known outside of Nigeria. So is, oh, whoopsie, sorry, went there a bit early. So is um, Peju Alatis. Um, so those artists, you know, you could also argue that perhaps um, those artists that do well on the London and Paris auctions then do well the domestic auctions. So there's a sense where they've been validated internationally. So, um, but it's hard to tell um, which way it goes. But um, this was interesting looking at the South African auctions. Uh, Keith Alexander. Um, I didn't expect to see um, this artist um, here, um, but um, he's not that well known. I, I don't know, but I suspect he's not that well known outside of South Africa or highly valued outside South Africa. Could be wrong, but I suspect this is the case. Marlene Dumas, of 
course, is extremely well-known artist. Um, and um, due to the fact she has also um, spent um, most of her career living um, in Holland. And then, of course, here we've got two British artists, Banksy and Isaac Julian, coming up. So you can see that actually, even though at the top end of the South African contemporary um, art market, there's very much um, kind of a crossover between those artists that are valued outside of South Africa and then, of course, those who valued um, on the domestic market. Um, so these are very interesting graphics. Um, I, I wish I could show you them all, but we have um, limited time. Uh, so let's just move on to this next graphic here. So this is, of course, looking at Abudia. Um, now, even though Abudia actually um, fetched quite a nice sum um, at an Aspire um, auction, um, and just to uh, mention here, um, I had touched on the fact that Aspire have um, had auctions, uh, collaborative auctions with the two French houses, Piazza um, and Art Curiel. And um, in analyzing the data, what we choose to do was those auctions that were based in Europe, uh, we attributed those figures to the French house and those auctions that took place in South Africa, we attributed to the South African based house. That seemed the easiest way um, to deal with collaborative um, auctions, uh, which yes, certainly present um, this kind of analysis some challenges. Um, so hopefully that um, we negotiated that as well as we could. Uh, but back to Abudia, uh, as you probably know, um, Christie's uh, conducted a sale just dedicated um, to Abudia and it uh, was a white glove sale. Um, so this artist um, has been picked up um, in the global art market. Um, I suspect now the prices are quite high. We might not see so many of his works um, for sale on the African continent so much. Um, and here you can see the highest turnover um, was um, from uh, the Sotheby's um, and then Bonham's and then a bit of a gap there. So what also I think um, what makes the, the London auction houses um, do so well with the African artists is they, they are, they're much more connected um, within the global art market. And certainly Sotheby's um, through its status um, and um, feeding a lot of these artists onto other sales, um, they are building um, a value around these African artists. Um, value that might not be realized on the African continent, but then you also could argue that perhaps some of the works um, that do build value on the global or accrue value on the global art market perhaps pander to a certain um, sort of notion of what African art looks like, where on the African continent those ideas might be different or motivated by different interests um, that um, are, I guess, rooted in, in those particular countries. Um, 
you know, particular tastes. Um, certainly, you know, there do seem to be, which makes sense. And, and all research tells us that um, collectors do connect better to artists um, from their native countries. So that is the conclusion um, of my presentation. Um, as they've mentioned um, in the promo, uh, for those of you that have attended um, this talk or actually the VIPs um, can buy both of these reports uh, for 50% less. Um, the coupon code is 154REPORT and you can go to www.corrigal.org um, and go click on buy reports. And um, just looking to see on chat um, if there are any questions. Um, it doesn't look like there are. Um, this is often the case, uh, as I was explaining to Olivia, it's a lot of um, information. Um, please feel free to contact me if you have any um, comments that you would like to share, your own observations, any feedback. I'm always um, happy to, to hear from everyone. And thank you so much for joining me this evening uh, for this exclusive talk. I hope that you did enjoy it and found it interesting. Um, and it will feed some of your interests that will be happening next week with the 154 Art Fair and the auctions that will also be taking place at the same time in the same week. Very exciting week. Um, so, Paula, do you want to step in and just remind everyone? Um... Hello. Um, hi, Mary. First of all, I would like to thank you so much for this very informative and uh, enlightening presentation on uh, the market of contemporary African art. And uh, I hope everybody has been taking notes. And if not, they can always buy your report, as you mentioned. And uh, so, yes, so I'd like uh, also to um, get back uh, to our VIPs and uh, remind them that um, uh, from uh, what I said from the beginning, remember to book your tickets to visit the fair at Somerset House. Also join in on the online events, the forum, the Christie's online platform for those who uh, cannot be with us and would like to see the fair. Also, I would like to point out that our 154 annual book uh, has come out. Um, I do have a copy here just for a sneak peek. And feel free also uh, to pre-order it. All the links uh, are on the chat. And uh, we wish you a very good week uh, next week with us. Um, and thank you very much. Goodbye. Hi, thank you.